Sounds good. Hello, welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I am, of course, your host, Tyler McRae, and with me is, um, I'm not going to lie, I've, I think I've worn out the sequel and the trilogy metaphor, so I'll just say pretty much, imagine an old piece of media or IP, it's about 20 years old now, and it's, oh, they rebooted it. Oh, and they're bringing back the original actors. Oh, I didn't know they were still around. But good. I'll have to check it out. So coming back on the podcast through that horrible <laughs> metaphor analogy is Sash Steele. Uh, Sash, how are we doing today? Hi, I don't know whether to be insulted, complimented, mildly confused by that introduction. But yeah, no, I'm good. It's good to have you here in person, recording from my house. Yes, we are live um, from Soul Muppet Publishing Commune, if you will. And the episode we are going to be reviewing today is Lady Bouvier's Lover from Season 5, Episode 21, directed by Wes Archer, written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, with the original air date being May the 12th, 1994, and with the couch gag being that the family run onto the couch, when they get there, they break and shatter into glass. And as I ask everyone, um, Sash, what are your initial memories, or nostalgic memories, of this episode? I remember a lot of this because I was quoting it uh, as we were watching it, um, sort of talking along with uh, lines that I remembered. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those ones that I remember made me laugh quite a lot. It's got a lot of jokes in it. It's very sort of tightly written. Like the jokes are just like bam, bam, bam. Um, yeah, it's one of the ones I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Like it takes some fleshes out some side characters that we don't see very often, puts them centre stage. Uh, yeah, definitely one that I remembered quite clearly from when I was a kid, so enjoyed watching it again. I always seem to forget how densely packed this episode is, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of going on, there's a lot of really stellar jokes in this, and I think um, what I found really noticeable as well is the um, B-plot and the A-plot seem to marry into each other well, like they end up fixing the B-plot and they're getting everything resolved, then to focus back onto the A-plot with a Barton his little squirty guns and mustard and um, ketchup getting the 350 back. I was, surpri- I was surprised they were able to marry that up well and, you know, end the B-pot well rather than it just um, escaping like it has done for a couple of uh, episodes I've reviewed previously. Yeah, they did really well with that. It's so seamless. Uh, that's one of the things I like about early Simpsons. Um, for the most part, I think they do B-plots a lot better than they do in uh, later seasons. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was very... Well written. And we open the episode with um, Crossy the Clown Show. And Crossy's given a right chuckle, but, um, you know, Sideshow Mel, he's quite distraught. He says, you know, this is very demeaning. He's got a big worried look on his face. And a bit behind the scenes here, folks. I like to uh, open uh, each episode up and have a little scroll through, get sort of visual reminders. And um, Crossy's got the biggest sort of stink face on him. He's not happy with um, Mel's bullshit here. He's not willing to go along with it there, you know, but shut up and play. It does not go well. They essentially just chew him up. The monkey goes straight for the jugular. It's quite <laughs> ruthless. Yeah. Then we cut outside to the family and Bart and Lisa are busy yucking it up there and Homer and Maggie are as well. Marge calls Homer into the kitchen there and she says, oh, Homer, you know, you didn't do a really good job icing Maggie's cake. And again, this is one of the more memorable jokes from the episode. I mean, I'm surprised how many sort of memorable bits there are in this. 
But he comes and he goes, wait, no, it's not McGaggy's birthday there. So um, good on Homer. He starts to fix it by eating the letters. But like any sort of food pig, he just starts getting carried away. <laughs> Marjorie goes, <laughs> hey, 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 look, I've got a cake for you to ruin over there. And you actually see a visual of the cake and it's got every letter of the alphabet. And he personally goes over and um, I'm one for noises and sounds and comedy. And just his little, he has a little tenuous. <laughs> I love Homer's eating sound effects. They're so iconic. Marge's family turn up, Patty Selma and Lady Bouvier there. And they come on through then. It turns out it is Maggie's birthday. She's turned the big uh, zero one there. This is one of the very few times that we actually have, I guess, a marker of time in Simpsons canon. I mean, from Maggie's been won you know like hundreds of times over mm. now but like it's still quite interesting to see this in the early days i'd completely forgotten this was like a part of this episode as well to be honest and we have selma point out like oh marge isn't that your father-in-law across the street and i've i've made sure every single time um whenever it's good friend's birthday facebook reminds me i always share that clip of grandpa <laughs> knocking on the door and happy birthday <laughs> And it's just the most confused man just not giving him anything. What the fuck is this? Yeah. Have you ever thought of um, sharing that gift, Sash? I haven't actually, but, you know, that's um, a very niche birthday joke that I might actually have to adopt. So thanks for the idea. Marge, I think that's your father-in-law across the street. Happy birthday! We have Marge present Maggie saying, oh, here comes the birthday girl, you know, in a very first dress there. Now, I always like to bring up um, design and art with you, Sash, as mm. that's part of your field as well, doing commissions and all sorts. Um, how would you describe Maggie's outfit there? Because I will say it is very cute, and I know you're a penchant for cute things as well. It is very cute. It's very, um, it's basically, she looks a bit like a bit of a Lisa mini-me. It reminds me of Lisa's church dress. Uh, it's really cute. It's kind of a shame, I guess, they didn't keep her in this for the rest of the episode, and then they have this quick return to status quo because she sort of, I don't know, poops herself in this dress or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, it's cute. It's you know, I could definitely see um, if they'd age the characters naturally, sort of Maggie Simpson being a bit more pastel-coloured, girly dressing as she gets older. You do get grandpa's comment. Everyone gives nice little positive comments of her, but then <laughs> grandpa just cuts it all with what smells and Maggie's pooed herself and she does a little like uh oh like a little shift with her eyes there like she's just been caught as well now i will say um i'm not going to go too in depth but you have younger siblings or you have a younger niece there mm. what um and i've never never really gone to um like i've got friends now that will have kids and some do have kids um what do you do for first second birthdays that all you know, really young birthdays. I'm assuming you've may have gone to a couple there. Three years. Yeah, um, it's really more about the adults getting together. Really, I think, and cooing over. You know, the cuteness of the little baby. I mean, they're not going to remember it. Just stick them in a nice dress, make a cake, let them. You know, grab at it and you know cover themselves in icing, and it's fine. It's just an excuse to get together. Really, it's. Is it very much they're playing with the? Bubble wrap and the cardboard, not the actual gift. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Babies are like cats, basically. You know, whatever gift you give them, the box will always be better. We have um, Maggie getting ready to open a gift, and Bart says, Are we not going to wait for the other babies? And Lisa with a very apt point of, There were no other babies. Maggie doesn't like other babies. And we have a great sort of 
revenge film look of a big zoom in on Maggie with a big mean face. And then we see uh, baby Gerald making his appearance on this podcast for the first time. If any of you don't know, it's the baby with the buck teeth and the big monobrow. Is this his not, first appearance? It's not in his first appearance. Oh. Uh, I can't remember You know what? It time. might be. Yeah. Because I remember he came from like a bit of a throwaway gag to like being a, well, a little bit of a more of a side character. But you know what? I believe this is. The only other example I can think of is, you know, Laddie the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, he ends up saving baby Gerald and Quimby makes reference to it. But I believe that is later. Yeah, yeah. So I think in canon, this is the first appearance of baby Gerald. I love the scene. It's very iconic. It's another good reaction gif as well with the narrowed eyes and the sort mm. of zooming in. It's, it's and the little crush of the fruit juice box as well. Yeah. But that's the thing as well. Maggie never sort of averts gaze and Shastiga. Literally dragged out screen. Almost like she is going to start a fight there. Never loses focus of her enemy. But we have Maggie... Um, get presented with a cake there and this really um sort of demonic twist happens like the shading goes a lot darker and all the family get the disposable cameras out and um yeah she just starts shivering and she's terrified and that and I can genuinely see how kids can be sort of frightened at the birth you know with an open flame and a lot of attention around you I mean was there any um was there any sort of early frightful memories that birthdays or maybe fears that are irrational for you when you were like a little toddler um i'm sure there was i was probably afraid of like some cupboard or something in the house like some random thing what about you what sticks out for you well um i've not shared stuff on our facebook page because it's purely simpsons but I'm a massive Orson Gromit fan. Um, oh, yeah. For any of my personal friends. Oh, were you scared of Feathers Magura? Because I was totally scared of Feathers Magura. Not Feathers, but for fans of The Close Shave, Preston the dog. Oh, When you yeah, find yeah, out yeah. he's a robot and just how he's designed, he's very pointed and you get to see his sort of metallic claws and when he roars and that. That always got me. That's... And the fact, like, it's not skin, but he's bare mm-hmm. and it's very uh, raw. So that one definitely got me, but... Please, please tell us about Feathers. I was just quite scared of Feathers McGraw. Like, he was a really scary, like, you know, silent, silent killer, like evil penguin, you know, just, just really creeped me out as a kid. Just, he, you know, he frames Gromit, he, like, almost splits up the dynamic duo that is Wallace and Gromit. Like, as a kid, that really struck a chord in me. It but, still I mean, fascinates me, the fact that through no motional movement in the face that they can convey menace yeah right such a little figure it's amazing yeah no wallace and garment was uh, an iconic part of both of our childhoods i think so yeah those formative first fears from little plasticine models really shows you the impact they can have we have maggie with the shakes but grandpa comes in and just he's ready to play dot saying i know put some watson carbolic fluid in uh, water cotton put the cotton in her ear that'll stop them shakes and then Jackie herself saying, no, no, what she needs is a balsam specific. Grandpa's outraged and he just says like, oh, if we're going that far, if we're spending money, why don't we get her a, <laughs> I don't know, it's an old bollock medical reference, but Bart sees his opportunity here. <laughs> I love, I like the drawing on Bart because he's sort of like tucked his lip and he's got wrinkles around him saying, oh, don't forget to give her speckler's powder. <laughs> Now, when we watched this previously before hitting the record on this, 
that got big yucks out of you there, so... <laughs> yeah, it was just really funny. I'd forgotten about that whole part, but, like, Bart does a good old person impression. It's just it's just very funny. It's very visually funny. I don't know about you, but I've always found the pensioners in my life, or, you know, that I've known, they always love going on about medicine and fix-its, or about their own ailments. What is it with, like, pensioners and... I'm not going to go too graphic in here, but... <laughs> I always get cursed with the memory of me and my granny on the bus going into town mm. and you're just hearing these two old dears go, oh, Jean, how was your piles? And like, Gran, what is piles? <laughs> what? I don't know. Is that the thing with you? Have you found that, I know, pensions are very open about their ailments um, and medicines? I think you just go now with fucks as you get older and just like by that point, you don't have any fucks left. You know, you've just nothing bothers you so you know whatever there's zero shame yeah right, exactly like you know you're old now you can just get away with more stuff so just like may as well enjoy that i suppose i don't know I expect i'll be talking about horrible tmi things when i'm old but <laughs> yeah i bet your granddad's come out with some stuff he has he has a couple of times god bless him um but we'll say he's in fit shape for a 92 year old yeah but um yeah he still keeps on kicking still keeps on talking about um <laughs> Miscellaneous who's coming out of his body. Miscellaneous who's. I'll just put a little cap on that. Oh, um, yeah. Um. <laughs> Ooh, put some Lister's carbolic unguent on a water cotton. Put the cotton in your ear. That'll stop them shakes. No, no. What she needs is a balsam specific. Balsam specific? Well, we're burning money. Why don't we give her a curative galvanic belt, too? Don't forget to give her Smeckler's powder. Don't make fun. Maggie's been put to bed and now, you know, the real fun can sort of start. The family are busy sharing memories. And, you know, Bart and Lisa used to do this cute dance routine. It was the cutest thing ever. And Gramps, you know, says, you know, oh, that's brilliant. You're right. Let's see it now. And Bart and Lisa look like, oh, do we have to? No, do it now. Ah, uh, do it. And again, I, I mean, I'll keep going back to the the design of it, but you see actually Grandpa tremble a bit like in his determination to like, no, you're doing this now. It's a very you're gonna perform. It's a very Homer-esque mannerism. Like you can tell that they're related just from like the way they say and do things, which is a nice little detail. But have um Bart and Lisa get up and they sing the uh I'm a hot dog song. Um <laughs> but they gotta sing it like they mean it and they go into a full act, they go into a full performance there. Do it Hot dogs, armor hot dogs. Sing it like you mean it. What kinds of kids eat armor hot dogs? Fat kids, skinny kids, kids who climb on rocks, tall kids, dizzy kids, even kids with chicken pot love hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. Hot dogs, kids love to And with a little Millhouse cameo as well. Yeah, even kids with chicken pox of Armour Hot Dogs. Now, um, with Armour Hot Dog Sash, it was... I don't even think it was the premium hot dog brands in America at the time, but it was definitely like two or three. And essentially what some of the writers loved doing, especially in these premium seasons... They loved getting dead brands mm -hmm. and they just gave them a free plug because, oh, it's funny because it's a real obscure brand. Like, you get it so much that Homer's mug into the camera 
with a big sandwich board saying, please buy Armour hot dogs. Yep. Do you know, and I've learned this through a few contemporary since podcasts, do you know how much the sales went up after this episode for the old Armour hot dogs? I do not. Is it, was it by a substantial amount? It was, percentage-wise, 167%. Oh, wow. So it shot up and... It managed to continue for, I believe, four to six months. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, that unintentional bit of uh, adverti- free advertising worked. Yeah, um, I pulled up the original uh, ad on YouTube, and the first time I, uh, the first comment is, like if The Simpsons brought you here. So, you know, clearly people have done the same oh, thing. Oh, it's always true and far-reaching there. But we have Lisa mention the fact that, you know, ah, oh, isn't there a song we can sing that this family doesn't know from a commercial? And there's a big, long pause... And then they break into I Feel Like Chicken Tonight with <laughs> the clocking movements as well. Around the table. It's all perfectly in sync as well. They've got it down. Yeah, you can tell that's been done on more than one occasion in the Simpsons household. Mm. Now, I always remember my dad used to sing that to us whenever we would have Chicken Tonight. And he'd do the same motions. It's a catchy jingle. I so funnily enough, I knew about that before this episode. Yeah. For the Simpsons inform me about all sorts of pop culture. Uh-huh. Did you actually have any chicken tonight yeah. or pasta tonight? That was definitely a thing that we had in our household, chicken tonight. I used to I remember the jingle. I used to sing it. I forgot it made an appearance in this episode. So, yeah, two bits of childhood nostalgia overlapping there. I think what's good about The Simpsons, though, in general, there's a lot of shout-outs in this episode. And even if you don't get them, the jokes are still funny. Like, even if you don't understand the reference. Like, I've never seen The Graduate. And, uh, like, some of the Charlie Chaplin stuff was, like, lost on me. But, like, I still found it funny. Which is just, like, a really nice thing that the Simpsons do. Like, their jokes and the shout-outs are still funny, even if you don't understand the original context. So, like, even if you didn't see the chickens that I had, the, them chicken dancing on the table is, like, hilarious. Just because. Grandpa's even saying, you know, oh, you know, I suppose I'll be off now. Checks his watch. Oh, it's five to six. Matt Glock's on in five minutes. And the Bouvier family speed off there. Um, apparently the senior citizen's bus driver heard this as well. Zooms up to the Evergreen Terrace and Grandpa jumps on. it's time for mad luck in five minutes. <laughs> Just a bus full of seniors. And you get to hear old Jewish friends voice, each mad luck could be our last. <laughs> Very morbid reality there. Um, I'll probably say UK equivalent. I wouldn't say mad luck, but my gran, God rest her when she was still alive, couldn't be a good bit of, um... Poirot, Miss Marple, your ITV3 spectaculars there. Yeah, yeah. We have Marge and Homer in the typical scene in the bed, just chatting about the small stuff. (laughs) Oh, isn't it funny that um, my uh, mother and your dad seem lonely and Homer just laughs and goes, oh, that is funny. (laughs) That got a good laugh out of Tyler when we were watching this earlier. It's a really silly joke, but yeah. I will say um, everyone... I've seen like old formers about Jerkass Homer being a prevalent thing in, you know, in season nine, ten, and that. But there's always a little hints, and although Homer does his bit here, and there are funny moments with him, there are some needlessly cruel bits in here, like him laughing at this, and then him sort of sucking up to Burns. And I mean, we'll get to it later. It's one of the most memorable scenes: uh, him in the car and the old woman. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, he's very much comedic sociopath in this episode for sure but it's done in quite innocuous way unless you like think about it for more than two seconds and then it's like oh actually he is just being a jerk but look at that face he looks so cute (laughs) little bug-eyed freak 
You're not supposed to sympathise with him there. This isn't you, Sash. <laughs> Shout out to you as well. That series is going to come back there. Yeah. Making sociopath sexy and whatnot. Right. But Marge sets up a little um, date there with Grandpa and Mrs. Bouvier. And um, this is sprung on Grandpa. Marge says, oh, we've got an idea. Why don't you go in and uh, pick my mother up? I'll be back in a jiffy. And he runs out. He's got a lot of pep in his step there. And he just wheels out this old Marge lookalike in there. But Marge straight away, that's not my mother. I'll, I'll be, be back, back in, in a jiffy. jiffy. That's not my mother. I'll be back in a jiffy. Can I come to? What is it with... Now, I do like Cruel Humor there. And it's just... It is the... For me, i probably say it's the best joke in the episode. Um, but, I mean, what do you think of Cruel Humor in sitcoms? Uh, I mean, this was quite prevalent in the 90s, particularly with live-action American sitcoms. I don't know. I think it's a lot easier to pull off in animation than it is in live-action. Um, just because... I don't know, seeing people, seeing like real life people be like quite cool to each other is, gives it a totally different flavour than like animated people doing it. Um, I don't know, as someone who doesn't really watch a lot of live action and prefers animation for like various reasons, um, yeah, it's kind of just something that like, is something that I'm just quite aware of. Um, Yeah, what about you? Is that the kind of humour that you're into? I'm not really into cringe comedy as a whole really either, to be honest, which kind of goes hand in hand with that, so... I do like awkward comedy. I do like mean jokes and a lot of these sitcom and um, Simpsons podcasts went to. They're quite against it, but I think that's based on the individual. I kind of like cruel humour and obviously nice balances, cruelness and then they get the just desserts and what have you. But I believe there, sh- there can be more of it in comedy just as long as it's not, I mean, particularly now in this um, really, not scrutinised time, but in this very open liberal time now we live in that it can't be against anyone that's completely marginalised, you know. You never punch down on comedy, that's one of the first things I learned yeah. uh, on my course. It's always good to punch up. And we have the two families sitting down at the diner there, and my just busy trying to, you know, break the ice, fill in the conversation a bit. Oh, you know, Mum, you and Abe have a lot in common. You both got swindled by that same telemarketing scam, and God bless Grandpa, he is such a Lovable oaf, a bit of a buffoon in himself as well. Oh, you know, it's not a scam. You give them all your credit card numbers. And if one of them's lucky, they'll send you a prize. And then you get the realism of Jack saying, Oh, you know, just I was glad to have someone to talk to on the phone. And Grant's been the sweet gent that he is, saying, Oh, you know, you're feeling blue. This will cheer you up. And we get a little reference to Charlie Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin himself, yeah. Now, I'm not sure what film it's in. I have seen that scene before in, like, I don't know, some old BBC4 documentary on his life. Um, have you got any idea of particularly what film? What uh, film I believe it is Gold, The Gold Rush. Oh, The Gold Rush. I have heard of that. Yeah, yeah. something. Uh, he does it with bread loaves where, what's Grandpa doing with? Potatoes or something? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just, like, walking him along on a little on forks like they're like legs it's basically and we have Gramps doing his little thing Jackie's laughing up there and we have the blue haired lawyer come along with um, the hired goons he's not been I was he a, is he voiced by someone who like isn't around anymore because he's not really been in any episodes in like really recent seasons I believe uh, I, ooh, really I don't know if it's 
trying to think if it's Dan Castellaneta or um, one of the other lifers in the Simpsons, but as far as I'm aware, they've not passed. It's one of the core voice cast. Okay. It's um, just, like, interesting, because, like, especially this kind of joke about, oh, you can't make this joke because it's copyright or whatever, is especially prevalent. Like, this joke still holds up today, like, you know... 20 years later. Oh, yeah, UMG is destroying YouTube there and the yeah, content exactly. creators are, you know, they're trying to break them down there. So you're absolutely right. This is ever more relevant in 2019 as we speak. Yeah, Simpsons predicted it or, you know, whatever they're saying. Oh, is. All right, BuzzFeed. Thank <laughs> you for that. Jeez. I mean, I'm just saying it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> but we have his hired goons end up breaking the forks and smashing down the spuds there. Lady Bouvier, oh, why did I forget her name? Jacqueline, that's it. And Abe going over some old photos. There's a little bit, bit of a uh, historical reference here to. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, Jacqueline's uh, Jacqueline's uncle showing on the beach when she's. Oh, I got uh, I guested for indecent exposure. It was the most embarrassing time of my life, and there she is in her like 1950s swimsuit with her ankle showing. No, she makes references to um, Sylvia Plath, and uh, who else is it? She, uh, I think Zelda oh, Fitz- Zelda Fitzgerald, Zelda Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald Francis yeah. Palmer. Says, oh, they were so jealous of my good looks. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, again, this is behind the scenes, listen to more podcasts. Do you know why they particularly featured those three women? Um, go on. Well, a lot of them, um, the partners jilted on them. Yeah. So again, sort of themes of this episode as well. Yeah. And then, not to break it down, but then they sort of died of mental loneliness health. and men- <laughs> lack of mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Mrs. Bouvier's lived sort of a tragic life in itself there with who she associates as well. Mm, That's quite a clever sort of choice of Mm. uh, people to drop in there. But Grandpa, the other dog, is lift those games! What does he say? You are quite the nifty number, which is an excellent turn of phrase. (laughs) And something I will like... We need to use that more. Yeah, definitely. Let's, Let's bring that back. But, you know, Grandpa's starting to put on the charm in his own way, you know. You remind me of a song I can't remember... And a location that doesn't exist. And a movie that might not have even been made. <laughs> so romantic. But, you know, Jackie reciprocates this. We then get Gramps' brain, much like Homer. Oh, I feel all funny. <gasps> I'm in love. No, wait, it's a stroke. No way. It is love. I'm in love. No, I'm having a stroke. And smash cut. We smash cut right to an ambulance. Um, I think that might have got the biggest laugh for me. I'd, I'd probably say the old lady can I come to is my favourite bit. Yeah. But that easily got the biggest laugh. I mean, people argue smash cuts are easy for jokes, a bit too easy, but they always get a giggle out of me, just the quickness of it and the big knee-jerk reaction to it. Yeah, definitely. I think this is the only smash-cut joke in the episode, and they just use it so well, it's great. Yeah. yeah. And the and the ambulance people just yeet him out, to use a nice trendy word, they yeet him out of the ambulance as well, and he just goes onto the freeway as well, screaming he's in love. Sounds really like... Really manic. Sounds like the American healthcare system. Sounds oh, like something oh, they do. Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know, just, damn. you know. And we have uh, a good buddy, Troy McClaw, here. On the Impulse Buying Network, ready to hock some merch. And we end up seeing uh, him sit down with Roger Myers Sr. Oh, selling the uh, animation Itchy and Scratchy sell. Yes. Yes. 
guaranteed to appreciate in value. Not a guarantee. Now, um, have you ever looked for, uh, you know, memorabilia or animation cells yourself, whether it be you know, Simpsons or Disney? Not have anima- you ever tried to look for memorabilia to store? Not animation cells, but like I'm always on the lookout for merchandise of things that I like. You know, it's just finding cool little things for like cheap usually in some usually knock off bootleg versions of like anime action figures in like uh, shops okay. abroad or whatever uh it's just a fun thing you can find them they're good you know now um i do remember looking for simpsons animate cells myself yeah through ebay and through uh other sites pretty much folks you're not going to get the iconic scenes because number one they're in a museum number two they're too expensive Number three, the actual artists and storyboard layout and artist designers took them for themselves. So are you just going to get an arm or a leg? It's, you know what? It's better than that. But let's say, ooh, um, seasons three to eight, a lot of those cells will be gone or they're priced out of the stratosphere. Okay. But you can aim for, like, I don't know, season 10 or 12, um... You can maybe get an iconic scene there, but I don't know. Get, guess the price range of, say, like a normal scene. Not even of one like Homer pulling a face, but someone entering a room. I don't know, like $100,000. Is that too much? I'm just like throwing out a big number that I can think of. Is that, that's probably well, that's a, Is that too much? That's a great currency converter. Everyone needs to visit the commune because <laughs> the conversions are massive. Um, no, you're talking $350 to $800 oh, okay. a pop. And I love Simpsons, but it's really testing my love that I'm starting to question it myself. That's a lot of money for like a piece of mm. a piece of art. As much as they are hand painted and signed and official and everything, but yeah, still that's a whole hunk of dollar. Would you uh, pit pocket your dad for it? Uh, <laughs> that's a nice little segue. You know what? I would absolutely try, but we get a nice little cohesion of you know. Bart is Homer's son, and Homer definitely takes after his own son there. Yeah, yeah. It's very much on the same lines of, you know, oh, I can't see the boy who let me do hooky. I can't see Homer seeing me out of school, and then they pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, it's cute in itself there, but um, I don't see what Homer gets, because Bart ends up getting his boy. Homer has a little chop, and he's even got his catapult there. Yeah, I feel like both people are winners there. Marge is happy that um, Mrs. Bouvier and Grandpa are getting along like a house on fire, but Homer's opposed. Damn opposed. Damn, damn, damn opposed. <laughs> Again, they are son and father. It's very evident. There's a lot of family resemblance details um, in this episode, which I really like. I feel like the characters are really fleshed out and like less pictures of themselves mm. than they are in later seasons. Homer brings up the very valid point of the fact that if they decide to marry, that Marge and him will become brother and sister. And then I don't get whether it's a certain show reference or if it's just an animation of them as white people the kids but homer says like oh they become freaks with no overbite you know pale skin and five fingers i I still can't get that today whether it's just reference to them being like normal it's sort of it looks it looks like it should remind me of something but i can't think what it is this animation style um not sure, but it's very jarring to see in yeah. the middle of The Simpsons. Uh, and then, cool. oh, uh, yeah, and then we skip to a three-way call between Marge, her mother, and Abe Simpson, who invites himself onto the line, trying to tell... Tell her I love her! You know, Abe had a very nice time with you last Sunday. Tell her I love her! Grandpa, shh! 
I know my mother. If you come on too strong, she's going to get scared away. I love you. What? Uh, I love you, Mom. I love you. 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 I love you, Mom. Gotta go. We have Bart. He's busy waiting eagerly, awaiting his uh, animation cell. And he keeps opening the door. They ask for Homer Simpson. You know, he has to say, oh, yes, definitely me. Gets popped saying, you know, oh, don't write letters to Mrs. Sinatra no more. Stop sealing um, golf balls from the driving range. Gets the third one, you know, rule of threes, folks. And it's the it's the old sarcastic guy as well. I love his voice. I'm always happy when I can hear the sarcastic guy's voice. So I've got a uh, special delivery. And I think it's the pause with special delivery as well really adds to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Really like, you know the punch is coming because we were a three, but it's still so funny because yeah. they like to go out a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's keep me waiting. But Bart's happy he's got his cell there. Lisa ends up coming and saying, oh, this is so exciting. And then pops out. It's so crappy. Oh, crappy. And what have we got here? What's actually on the cell, Sash? It is an arm, a single arm, which looks like part of... Itchy, Scratchy's arm? I can't even know. Oh, yeah, no, Scratchy, Itchy's blue. Yeah, that's it. Now, obviously now in this day and age you get photos and, you know, buyer ID and all that, but surely they had to put up photos on the site or whatever. I'm not going to point out potholes because I'm quite free and loose with potholes and I usually don't spot them in that, but I know, surely Bart would be able to view, like, the full cell itself or... I maybe guess. he was just on the wrong site and got swindled. Yeah, what maybe. I don't know, to be honest. They don't really go into that. I feel like, obviously, they could have had a whole different episode where this was the main plot and they, you know, went into him trying to track down whoever had scammed him or whatever. Uh, but they chose not to go with it. So you're just kind of, yeah, sure, this weird mix-up happened. Bart got scammed. I mean, it seems dodgy from the start. Limited edition gun of 800,000 cells. It's hardly oh, exclusive. Oh, yeah, it was obvious. Know. Of course it was. Yeah. For God's sake. So. But... And we get, I'm going to go on record and say, um, the best Nelson ha-ha ever. Yes. Purely the fact he it's astral, out of body. He astral projects from having yeah. a seizure in the cookie mart to laugh at Bart in his own home. Bart which gives is... a double take, huh? And then we cut to Nelson on the floor of the Quickie Mart having an out-of-body experience. I love this joke. It's so funny. I don't know what it is with this episode. There's a lot of trembling. Maggie trembles. Grandpa trembles. We get Nelson having some sort of a fit as well. But, you know, Apu doesn't really care about it. Oh, no, there's a boy on my floor. This is bad for business. <laughs> Again, that little hesitation. I feel like he's just going to scoot him out there with the brush. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No harm in the <laughs> We have Abe prepping himself. He's around Evergreen Terrace. He's prepping himself for uh, his other date with uh, Miss Bouvier. You know, he's going to smooch her like a mule with an apple. And oh, just anim the animation on the mouth as well and the noise. It's excellent. Oh, which leads into one of my other favourite scenes, which I don't know what this is a reference to. I do feel like a lot of these references in this episode are lost on me, but you still get to enjoy them anyway. This is weird, singy, talky, jazz component where Homer's trying to give his grandfather dating advice. And it's just like a complete tonal shift, but it's so funny. If you want to make your move, you gotta play it cool. Now what you gotta do, if you want to get a kiss, is act real smooth and make your move like this. <sighs> oh, I see. So if I take your advice and make your patented move, then my chances for love 
will slightly improve. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's that rule? Play it cool. We have um, Abe busy, you know, playing it cool to finish the song. I will say, big props to Dan Castellaneta because he's having to match the tempo of that nice little jazz number yeah. and flip the switch in between voices as well. I think he does a stellar performance in there. He definitely does. Also, shout out to Julie Kavner for voicing Patty, Selma, Marge and her mother all in the same scene. Yeah, the on. producers are really getting the value out of Kavner in this episode. Yeah. I did not think of that. Definitely. Then we've got a quick scene of Bart trying to sell his animation cell. Trying to it to the comic book guy as well. But he states that, you know, oh, there was this Snagglepuss cartoon drawn by this fella. It's worth something. But this, this arm's drawn by nobody. It's worth nothing there. Now, have you ever come across, um, I mean, I'm sure you've come across, like, these desperate types online, or, you know, yeah, avid, diehard fans, or, like, comic book guy online. Um, but have you ever come across something, particularly with comic book guy, you know, being overly negative, doesn't want you in his store... I mean, you're part of the D&D community in a way. Are they a bit like comic book guy or is the proprietors generally nice? I mean, not that I am aware of. Uh, a lot of my interactions with RPG community people are just on the internet. And in person at cons, everyone's really nice. So I think we're quite lucky. I think um, comic, book, comic book guy is the embodiment of all the negative stereotypes, which I think probably aren't necessarily true day to day. Maybe they are. Maybe I've just been lucky. But yeah, no, I've been good. Mm. Um, Definitely the type to blame season three Rick and Morty on the female writers. Oh, yeah. Definitely seems that kind of energy. Yeah, right, for sure. We have Abe and Lady Bouvier um, at the dance hall there with a bit of Glenn Miller in the mood, a right nice little ditty from the wartime, uh, as you do. Yeah. And they're having a nice little saunter together. No, they're about to they're about to uh, kiss in the middle of this romantic um, dance, and then who should appear but Montgomery Burns. Who, yeah, uh, in his full white dapper suit there. Yeah. Now to sound like a right turf on Twitter, <laughs> he totally cut him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that, Abe, you bait a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, Tyler is saying these things ironically, completely ironically. Yeah. <laughs> thoughts of me and Uncle Mo are um, few and far between there. There are my own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, instead of fixing himself to be a wallflower, Abe is going to give Burns a piece of his mind, you know. He's going to give him the frowning of a lifetime. And you get a little Popeye sort of um, face on him there. Um yeah, I mean, what do you think of Abe's facial expressions here, you know, from a design point of that? Yeah, this is really fun. Uh, again, given, like, the simplistic animation style of The Simpsons, they do a really good job of, like, just putting so much character into this. It's just such a great little screen cap. I'm trying mm. to find it so I can pause on it, but... Um, it's the noise as well with, like, a gradual... Mm-hmm, it's just stretching his face. Yeah, it's great. But we have um, Lady Bouvier leave with Montgomery Burns there. You know, um, he's the devil himself. But Who Burns... told you? <laughs> Excellent <laughs> Burns, joke. Burns had that too many times in his life. They end up leaving and um, Abe, sort of dejected, he ends up walking off into the distance under the streetlight saying, you know, goodbye, Mrs. Bouvier, wherever you are. Um, now I know the reference to it. Um, do you Jimmy know the reference Do- yourself? Jimmy Durante is what Wikipedia is telling me. Yes, and on his TV show he used to front. Yeah. He used to sign off on the shows with um I can't remember his wife's surname, but like 
oh, Mrs. Davenport, goodbye, wherever you are. Oh, okay. And that was a nice nod to his past wife. Oh, okay. Which is really cute. So in memory, he would always uh, sign off on that as a nice little tribute to his wife. That's really cute. That's a little reference That there. is a nice reference. I really like that they've, uh, a lot of the references they make in this are like, age-appropriate references for the characters, oh, if you get me. It's like yeah. a nice touch. I feel like this is a really well-considered episode. Like, mm. the writing team is really strong in this one. But, again, the blue hair lawyer comes up, you know, I come from the office of Jimmy Durante, and we're calling an immediate halt to this unauthorised imitation. And the hired goons end up stamping on the hat again. Yeah. And Abe just cutting through the shit. Well, would we find if just laid down in the street and died? Yeah, don't see anything <laughs> against that. <laughs> Although, you know, who knows? Maybe one day our Disney overlords will make that illegal, too. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll give us all the aspect ratios out of proportion and exceedingly high price. Good God. And we're on to the final act now, folks. We're in Monty Burns' office, and he's full of pep after the day. You know, he goes, Oh, Smithers, guess what happened to me last night? And one of my favourite responses in this whole episode, I don't know, he had sex with that old woman. <laughs> and not to put too much business of... Uh, too much of my own business out in the street there. But, um, you know, 19-year-old Tyler was a bit wild out here in these streets and ended up um, becoming strange bedfellows with a older woman. By older, technically mature in universities, 28, 29, thankfully. Um, and every now and then, my uh, good friend will show me a gif of that. Something just like, oh, I don't know, he had sex with that old woman. Not even with a linked joke. Just a matter of, oh, do you remember this, you old dog? Um, have you ever had that kind of issue before as I've just um, poured myself underneath that bus? I'm usually the old woman in that situation. Oh, you are? Yeah. Ah, right, okay. So we'll say no more about that, but <laughs> I've been on the other side of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Burns looking at it from a positive point, saying, you know, Oh, you know how many women have said no to me? 130. But only once since I've been a billionaire. I'm in love. And I think Smithers is really underrated in this episode, you know, like, mm -hmm. you want to talk about maximising your minutes or, you know, I think he's written perfectly, you know, because he's just, like, fed up. He obviously has eyes for Mr Burns and he's annoyed that this old woman's muscling in on him, like, oh, yes, what do you do? I think it's even his little... Sh now, in the commune, we've been watching Queer Eye. Yeah. And obviously very supportive and lovely and open and fixing people. But you obviously didn't get shadiness as well from the group because, you know, that's just part of the character. Uh -huh. I, I just like Smithers' noise of like, mm, as well. Yeah, yeah. Just when he helps Miss Bouvet into the car, there's a bit of that. When he's walking down the aisle with Marge, it's like, flower girls, you hear a little, mm, like, this shouldn't be happening, sis. Burns is so happy being in love that he makes a big declaration over the phone saying, like, Oh, to all employees who found love, you can leave early. And everyone's happy and they all run off. Apart from some poor fucker who's just apparently never found love and he has a little sniff. Now again, cruel humour and that, but... Oh, yeah. That really caught me, that did. Tyler also, was just like, why didn't he just leave? Which yeah. Well, why didn't he? Like, he's not really going to know there, you fool. And just like, <laughs> you know, like any sort of toxic masculinity vibes, just... Keep your emotions hidden. Yeah, Bury them yeah. in a little pit. It's fine. And yeah. just leave. Oh, look at that face, though. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dude. Burns um, goes to pick Jackie up from the Simpsons household. and uh, I love this, where the, you know, uh, they open the door on him, Marge and Homer, and they just scream. 
in this very exaggerated turns ah, out you see the tons of little waggling as well yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very Hannah Barbera and very fitting as well because he forgets the names yeah as you do good. with that running joke Smithers being the shit star that he is and being a bit better calls him the Flintstones he says oh this must be Fred and Wilmer and Maggie pops up oh this must be little pebbles and um, he goes oh can I come in and brought chocolates and I would be like yeah but ever do <laughs> such and a great joke very fitting because um Flintstones is often referred to as like the first cartoon family. Yeah, for sure. And now to another generation, The Simpsons are the best cartoon family as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good callback. It's a good uh, spin on the old um, forgetting Homer's name joke as well. It's it's quite funny. It's like a bit unexpected because you're, like, you're waiting for the, oh, I've forgotten his name joke. Um, and then it like adds this little twist to it with a bit of a Flintstones flavour. It's quite fun. Marge is um, fuming, you know, he's an awful, awful, awful man. But I guess if she makes my mother happy. And um Oh, and here we get the resolution of the uh, B plot where Bart needs his three hundred and fifty dollars. Who should appear but a uh, rich man burns? Yes. Seems like the uh, perfect opportunity to recoup that uh misspending. So I have one gun filled with ketchup and one gun filled with mustard, these little water pistols. Um, if you don't want to get messed up for your date, then uh, three fifty bucks. I love how he could have against Burns for so much more, but he's mm. just like I just need the three fifty, which makes me laugh. There's a little spaghetti western standoff as well. You see the eyes going there, and then he hits him, but Burns just straight no, take it fine. And then, although he was dancing and free of spirit and all about it, he's then very frailly picking up the gun <laughs> as well. <laughs> and then, what does Jackie walk in on, Sash? Uh, yeah, these two guns to each other's heads, just in a very awkward uh, position. Some great uh, squinty eyes. It's very up. US office. Have yeah. you seen the end of one episode where they're all in like a fake standoff? No. Oh but... yeah, it's very reminiscent of that. It's oh, just, okay. Yeah, needlessly awkward and needlessly um, hyper-violent as well. It's great. Slightly before this, I just want to say um, home with a vibe that, you know, I sort of live day to day in my working life as well. I'd say, no, oh, he's an awful, awful man, but if she makes my mother happy, he goes, that's right, money. All you need to worry about is your money's money. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great Now, one. as um, someone who's involved with Kickstarters and all that and, you know, independent publishing and that, has this been a certain mood for you at your lowest point, the creeping of capitalism coming in? I mean, we talk a lot about uh, capitalism in this house, mostly because I answer about it a lot, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you know, RPGs are labour of love. There's a lot of stress there. But at the end of the day, we're not actually making any money out of uh, some of it. We're just doing it because it's fun. And eventually it might pay the bills. But, you know, we're not um, we're not up to the uh, point of replacing every other sentence, uh, every other word with the word money, just yet. <laughs> but Abe's distraught. He's busy looking over a nice photo of Jackie there. But, you know, Jasper and all the other retirement crew have got him a special cake to cheer him up. Oh god, this scene makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, why'd she have to leave me? Hey, Abe, we heard you was in need of some cheering up. We got you a special cake. Uh-oh, better call the nurse. And you just hear this hacking up of guts there. It's one of these um pop-out cakes where your nice dolly bird would come out. But um, sounds really old, so they just stuffed like... Agnes or Glenda in there and she's just had an attack. My uh, headcanon oh, is... Oh, the nurse. My, my headcanon is it's the uh, Marge, the Jacqueline lookalike that 
they accidentally oh no don't say that <laughs> I just think that, that they my head that's what I imagined the wheelchair <laughs> yeah oh no and they just put it in the cake that's my head cannon for that particular scene oh I've never thought of that as well <laughs> oh you need to sell that to BuzzFeed now I'm telling you yeah we go oh god that's even more sad now <laughs> she gets the electric window treatment and then she coughs up a lung and collapses <laughs> in, in a giant cardboard mm. cake Bart has now got his uh, money back well, he's got Homer's money back and um Comes across him and goes, oh, Dad, look, I'm really sorry, but I spent $350 a new credit card. Homer's livid, you did what? Because no, don't worry, here's the cash. And always forgiven with Homer, like, he's really, he's surprising, like, reckless and forgiven in this, like, always forgotten, it's, oh, it's easy. He goes, oh, I can buy, um, you know, 70 transcripts and Nightline here. Now, do you know what Nightline was, Sash? Uh, it's some phone hotline, but I don't know what it's for. It is, um, it was like a... A magazine show, like a one-show type thing. Yeah. So the fact he's really excited by transcripts of Nightline for this boring, um, oh, like, okay, calling yeah. and that. It's just a side of Homer that you, you never see. Yeah, that's very niche, typical niche Homer interest. Burns is now picnicking it up with uh, Lady Bouvier, sticks in the uh, engagement ring into the, <laughs> in at the martini, but Jackie just goes ahead and necks it. Good on her. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, she busy chokes on the ring, but Ben's like, oh, that's fine, I have a backup. What the fuck's he storing it in? I, it's it looks boiling like, hot. Yeah, it looks like a container of soup or something. I don't know, and I'm deeply confused by that, but doesn't seem to bother him too no. much. Jackie says yes. Again, Marge is adamant, no, you can't marry him. He's a bloody evil man there. And, you know, she says, oh, you know, Abe Simpson, he was nice, but, you know, he's too much of a old fuss part. Marge, you know, saying... We're aware of Grandpa's problems, but compared to Mr. Burns, he's Judge Freaking Reinhold. Now, I never, ever, ever got this, but until I listened to another Simpsons podcast, the joke itself is the fact that culture references don't work on everyone, folks. And it's just like, you know, lazy sitcom going, oh, he's crazier than Charlie Sheen. Ha-ha. Like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think that needs to become more of a meme where Jack is just going, I don't know who that is. Yeah. In a nice frail voice. I'm sure this has happened to you before, not I mean a, a lot of, a lot of the time, I'll be honest. But yeah, maybe I should uh, adopt. I don't know who that is into my vernacular as well. But yet yeah. grandpa feeling sorry for himself now. Walking along the street, reading things that he finds on the ground. Yeah, he's got the time now. Am I right in guessing this is probably your favourite bit? This is no no, this is definitely not my favourite bit. It did get a good oh. laugh out of me though. He finds a... Uh, a gapple on the floor, picks it up, and reads, Lay checks condo. I'd like to live in one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Which got a big laugh out of all three of us. And that, like, he's just picking <laughs> jotties up <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> it's, it's just a very, very silly joke. And now we're getting on to the final bit, folks. This is the big finale here. It's the wedding itself there. You know, like in all sitcoms and soap operas and wrestling weddings never go well so buckle in folks we have uh mrs bouvier and burns rock up there and reverend's going through all the passages and the rites saying you know oh hectare this gave to quasar and burns is obviously ramping up the evilness saying what about shim sham and blim blam get to the bloody point here and marge is busy mm, mm. elbow and jackie saying you know he is no good look look at these and then you get um the ring boy Bart trying to give him a ring 
But no, he grabs him like really. I know violent this is... stuff there. Like I've that's a real grab that I've seen that in um, supermarkets. Yeah, yeah, definitely with your little toddlers. Definitely gives them a little boot up the arse as well. But Jackie just seems to. She's just resigned to it, even when he shoves the ring on her as well, and it pains her. But Jackie's about to say "I do" as well, and then you hear iconic scene that this Glenn is. Glenn Miller's in the mood as well, like was at the dance through the organs. That's my favorite song. And then Burns saying, "No, I specifically requested no romantic music. It's not even music alone, but nothing. <laughs> this is a very nothing. dry wedding." Do you, Jacqueline Bouvier, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? Oh, my favorite song. How did I specifically requested no romantic music? What? And this is where we get shades of the graduate, this whole last bit, uh, where Dustin Hoffman's saying, you know, Mrs. Robinson, only it's Abe with a... Mrs. Bouvier, hammering on the glass over the church. But instead of uh, adding the drama and racing down to whisk off his beloved, no, Abe smashes through the glass and falls. How many feet's that? Uh, Because in reality, he's dead. It doesn't look that tall, to be fair. Um, yeah, maybe like 10 He's feet. up some height, but you get to see... He's also an old like, man. Even how it's animated as well, like, he almost gets embedded, then he bounces back up as well. <laughs> down. I love the noises. Wouldn't you rather be Mrs. Abraham Simpson? No. I don't want to be either. Hot diggity down. That's good enough for me. <laughs> so Abe's, he's pretty much fine with a draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they just run off. They go into the Seniorville trolley, the bus that picked Gramps up before. And this is exactly how The Graduate ends, Sash. Now, um, I've never seen the movie, but I really should. Yeah, Hoffman this. runs off after like, his hanky-panky with Mrs. Robinson, the yeah. mother. He ends up running off with, um, I don't know her name, we'll call her Elaine, the actual person his own age. They run off. They actually go on the same bus as well. Yeah. And then that's how it ends. They're unsure of what the next part of their life will be. Uh-huh. I do recommend The Graduate to everyone because um made in the late 60s, but it questions like everything a young person's go through. What do I do after uni? Yeah. Where do I go with my career? Do I actually love this person? That's very prevalent. I do okay. give it a recommend. Cool. Yeah, no, I should definitely check that out. That sounds interesting. And we end on the sound of silence, the sound of Grandpa, and Grandpa gets his two cents over it. This is such a good musical parody. I really enjoyed this, definitely. Hello, Grandpa, my old friend. Your busy day is at an end Your exploits have been sad and boring They tell a tale that's worth ignoring When you're alone The words of your story Will echo down the rest home hall Cause no one at all Can stand the sound of Grandpa and that's how we end the uh, episode, and that's, I guess, how we end the podcast. Now, uh, if you'd like to give us your thoughts on a nutshell, and then your unique rating, Sash, how do you think of this one? I very much enjoyed this. Um, I, uh, yeah, I like one of my favourite things in TV, and like anything really, books, whatever, is um, stories that focus on minor characters and flesh them out. 
Uh, I really mm-hmm. sort of enjoy that um, world building and that character development from characters that we don't normally see. So yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was good fun. Um, don't think Marge's mother is like the most interesting character, but Abe is always good fun. Um, the neat little subplot was fun. Burns is always a good designated villain. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I guess I would give it a score of uh, four dancing jacket potatoes. Ah, beautiful. I, I like yeah, that. what about you? For myself, um, I mean, for me, this can easily float around um, not top tens, but easily top 20. I don't think enough people give this episode love because mm-hmm. it's always got cracking jokes in there. It's very gifable. I mean, can I come to and everything? I've seen Mrs. Bouvier memes out of the building on these Facebook pages. Um, the main the main characters that get minor roles, they all perform perfectly. The writing's tight. It's very densely compact. I think I believe all the jokes work with this. The B plot works well and is threaded through nicely with the A plot. Mm-hmm. Gets wrapped up well as well. Um, yeah, so for me, I think it's just shy of a perfect episode. So I'll go 4.5 out of 5 um, glass smashes. Excellent. Good stuff. Who would have thought Grandpa Simpson and Stone Cold would share that... Uh, Share that same passion of a glass smash. Right, and call for to sure. action, but there you are. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's technically, even if you don't care for the characters that it focuses on, it is uh, technically a very good episode. All right, and uh, as we wrap up, folks, um, I guess, Sash, where can we find you? What have you got to plug and promote? Please go ahead. I'm not really doing much at the moment, but um, you can always find Soul Muppet Publishing on the internet. Just give us a Google, soulmuppet.co.uk. Uh, catch me on Twitter at Spirit Jam. That's S P number one R I T J A M, where I'm tweeting about various things. Um, and yeah, that's me early. Um, that's mostly what I'm doing at the moment. Okay, now let's take a spin on that random episode generator and see what comes forth. I sentence you to kiss my ass. That's right, folks. Going to season ten. Get your road rage in check. For Screaming Yellow Honkers. Don't forget to like our Facebook, SoundCloud, and brand new on iTunes. Just search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and you'll be able to listen and support to your heart's content. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.